This week on Red Dead Radio, Merry Christmas. I was wondering where that was going to go. I'm pleased that's where it went. Hi friends, welcome to Red Dead Radio, the Red Dead Redemption Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Petty, and as always, we're going straight to the Wild Wild Guest. We're going straight to the Wild Wild Guest. We're going straight to the Wild Wild Guest. Yeah! Hello. Who are you? I am Lucy O'Brien. You are Lucy O'Brien, indeed. America's new favorite New Zealand sensation. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Taking our country by storm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Alongside those other prominent New Zealanders. We were talking about a couple of those earlier on another show. Uh-huh. Got that Sam Neill. Sam Neill, Lucy Lawless. Lucy Lawless. Um, Jacinda Ardern. Okay. Our Ooh. Prime Minister. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I, tell us more of your... I learned of your Prime Minister's awesomeness only today. Expound on the greatness. Well, of, she's very young. Uh-huh. Um, she's had a baby while she's been Prime Minister. Awesome. I think she's like the second person in the history of the world who have done that um and she's extremely empathetic and lovely indeed mm-hmm. and what is her name again jacinda ardern jacinda mm-hmm. wow that's an awesome i've never met a jacinda i've never met a jacinda either it's kind of a spectacular name and you're telling me and her uh, her partner's name is clark and clark is a stay-at-home dad he is a stay-at-home dad that's freaking rad yeah and they have one child or two one child one child you know the child's name I do, but I've forgotten it. I'll take children of world rulers for a thousand, Pat. There we are. Excellent. Lots of those New Zealanders out there. You mentioned Lucy Lawless, Xena Warrior Princess, a uh-huh. formative part of my uh, adolescence. Definitely. You know what? I never watched it. No kidding. I never watched it. And the reason I didn't watch it is because I didn't like the noise she made. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't. It, like, it made my skin crawl. So I couldn't watch it because of that noise, which is such a stupid reason to not watch it because apparently it's great. No, it's, it's, it's neat. I don't know if great is quite right. <laughs> well, it's, apparently it was It was definitely a, like a, pro- a great product of its time. Yes, it, it is It is the most 1990s thing imaginable. Yeah. That That's for certain. That and Kevin Sorbo as Hercules yes. uh, back to back there on whatever syndicated network you were watching them. Uh, those were a lot of fun. Um, Lucy Laws, my favorite Lucy Lawless is definitely um, uh, Parks and Rec Lucy Lawless. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I actually, uh, I find myself Hollywood crushing on Lucy Lawless. The older she gets, the more I'm in love with She's her. She's so great. Yeah. Um, I interviewed her for her work in Ash vs. Evil Dead. No kidding. And she told me a great story about seeing Evil Dead for the first time in some, like, flat in Auckland and she stormed out because she was like this is disgusting and anti-feminist oh wow yeah and then she like several you know decades later she's in an she's evil in, death movie yeah and she's married to the guy who not Sam Raimi but the other guy who uh, who wrote that series what did she think of, did, did they ever have to have their insulting and anti-feminist talk about uh, uh, I, I mean possibly <laughs> fascinating it oh, was good it was a, beautiful. A, a great anecdote I didn't realize y'all had met yeah. Yeah. That's really, really. Who's your favorite uh, celebrity interview you've ever done? Uh, you do a lot of them. You're an entertainment, entertainment sh- writer. Yeah. Well, I was. Not so much anymore. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm. But that was because it was the last one I ever did, like before moving over here for this new job. Yeah. Um, and she was just very inspiring and fiery and passionate and feminist and rageful, but eloquent rage and it was just so profound 
as an experience, and I felt kind of, I felt blown away. I like the idea of eloquent rage. I'm so glad that, that phrase is beautiful. Thank you for using yes. that. Yes. Frederick Douglass is a hero of mine. And right. largely because he's kind of the master of eloquent rage. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, W.B. Du Bois, same way. Uh, eloquent rage. There's a and place in this world for eloquent rage. There is. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those places, by the way, occasionally... The storytelling of Red Dead Redemption. Oh, ah, nice work. I, I was wait- back I around. was waiting for it. That's right. So welcome to Red Dead Radio, the Red Dead Redemption podcast. Before we go on, thanks to our Patreon producers, Dan Vale, Tom Box, Stuart Ferguson, and Jonathan, whose generous support makes this show possible. Our show is made in partnership with US Gamer. That's usgamer.net. And we hope you'll go over there and check out some of their really groovy and nifty things they make, like their Red Dead Redemption 2 FAQ by Mr. Mike Williams. It's good. You should read it. All kinds of neat things you want to know about Red Dead 2 over there. You can find them at usgamer.net or usgamer.net on all the socials. We're proud to partner with them. I read them. I love them. They're good folks. And then, ladies and gentlemen, as always, I want to remind you, or as always for this month at least, uh, head to my Twitter, Petty Comma Jared. Check out the pinned tweet. Our mutual friend, Chloe Rad there. Her father just had uh, cancer surgery. There's a GoFundMe there. Chloe's the best person on the planet Earth. Her family needs help. If you can and you're willing, please go there and give what you can. So Seconded. Seconded. Well, seconded with Chloe Rad being the best person on the planet. What's great about Chloe? Eloquent rage. <laughs> that Chloe (laughs) exactly eloquent rage that's Chloe that is Chloe yeah yeah eloquent rage Uh, wow you're her boss now I know what's that like (laughs) I I can't bring myself to actually use that word Um, I prefer just like partner in crime partner in crime yeah okay yeah boss is a little little too partner in crime but with the power to fire you yeah okay that works (laughs) that's good that's kind of like marriage Uh, (laughs) That's Angie's my partner in crime, but with the power to fire me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're zany, we're goofy. It's the end of the year. In the video game industry, if if you've never had the privilege of working inside it, we're ridiculously lucky people to be a mm-hmm. part of this magical zoo universe of creating toys for a living. Uh, and even better, we just get to talk about toys other people make. Yeah. Um, but hey, uh from October to like December, just everyone works all the time. And even when they go into that October, they're already exhausted from the summer season. And then before that, they're exhausted for prepping. It, this week in video gaming is just everybody throwing their hands up and going, and this episode will reflect that. <laughs> I think it already is. <laughs> Lucy, you're on here, uh, one, because you're just an extraordinary voice in video game writing. You've been there for many years. But also because you you like that Red Dead Redemption 2. I really did like that Red Dead Redemption 2. God, it's a a mouthful. It is. Um, I loved it, actually. It was... uh, I had had several games of the year Mm -hmm. this year, and, and Red Dead was definitely one of them. In the final voting, which way did you go? At IGN. I went Red Dead. You went Red Dead. Mm. Ooh, okay. And Red Dead didn't win. No. At IGN. Won no. a game spot, but didn't win at IGN. Yeah. So, what was your argument? Uh, my argument was that it presented uh, an open world that felt incredibly authentic to a degree that we hadn't seen. So, my argument was that it broke new ground. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, I can talk about Red Dead for hours. There are so many things I love You're about it. You're on the it. right show. Yes. <laughs> there are so many things that I love about it. There are so many things that frustrate me about it. Um, but ultimately, just being in that world uh, is unlike anything I'd, I'd experienced. I think the closest... Breath of the Wild, for me, is still the best open world game, I think, that exists. Mm-hmm. But that's because of its systems. Ah. In terms of its sort of storytelling and world building, I think Red Dead is is the the bar. Yeah, Breath of the Wild doesn't do a lot of classical storytelling. No. Um, but it does make up for it, like I said, in that kind of weird, systemic, net hacky way. Yes. Uh, now, some folks may notice we brought up game game of the year over and over and over again. I think that we're trying to like beat a dead horse about, well, it should have been. No, that's not the point of this at all. Uh, it's a show about Red Dead, but we're bringing people on to talk about the things that they love. Casey last week loved Monster Hunter. John and I mm-hmm. were more on the Red Dead end, and et cetera, and back. Every outlet is going to have a different take on this because this was a year of exceptional video games, all of which there's so much to love about. God of War was a work of art. God of War was a masterpiece. Celeste was a work of art. Mm -hmm. And so were several other things. For more on that, by the way, you can go over to IGN and see Mm -hmm. theirs. Uh, You can go over and take a look at the favorite games over at US Gamer. And you can head over to Kind of Funny, where I work sometimes, and watch our uh, uh, Game of the Year discussion, which... Is three hours long. Uh, <laughs> of so course it is. It's, it's great Tim funny. and I talking for three hours yeah. about games of the year. And we, we cover a lot of ground there. But I, I don't want to focus on game of the year much anymore. What I'd like to run to, Lucy, mm-hmm. is is first and foremost, I've really got two main questions I want to ask you on this here Christmas week-ish yep. goodbye special. Until next year. We're not going away. But until <laughs> next year. First... I want to ask you about for you who were who are the breakout characters in this character driven yep. story. Uh huh. I mean, for me, I thought I actually thought Arthur was himself was one of the most well written characters I've seen in in AAA storytelling. He was so in he was so endearing. He was so lovable. He was so. He was just this lumbering, lovable, bleeding heart. And I, you know, I mean, we're, we're deep in, like, spoiler territory. We can Spoilers abound at this stage, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to spoil everything from here on. Right. So, yeah, I mean, when he, when he died, I actually felt something. And that's, you know, like, uh, video games, by and large, uh, don't tend to affect me uh that deeply okay movies yes mm-hmm. um but there have only been like a handful of times where i've felt really really sad when a character dies in a game because okay. you know games are all about killing people so death becomes less death is, death is one of the key elements of video games video games end when you die and they're spent killing other people yeah it's just like it doesn't have the the sort of the currency that it does in the real world. Because How many times have you murdered Nathan Drake trying to jump exactly, over Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so, you know, when um, when he died, I, I the, the fact that it really got me, uh, he was just a beautiful, beautiful protagonist. Um, I'm so pleased that they, that they made him earnest. I think one of the issues that I've had with the GTA games 
of late is that, you know, and I know this is GTA's whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I know the whole thing is, is, is cynicism. It trades mm-hmm. in cynicism, right? Um, Red Dead was earnest. Like, Red Dead, like, it wasn't about, Arthur wasn't about, like, he was a good man. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a good man. And he, he was a fundamentally good character because of that reason. Um he was just beautifully written. I mean, I loved him. I loved Dutch. Dutch is so complicated, and I've known Dutches. Yeah, have you and Tina gotten to sit down and talk about this? Uh, I think, well, yeah, we actually have. Because okay. um, she's the same way. She's like, I've known Dutches. Yeah. Uh, um, and Sadie as well. Sadie was my character of that game. Now, that's that's. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Because we didn't talk about this ahead of time, mm. but we have yet to have the great Sadie Adler talk. Right. And I was hoping that you'd lean into Sadie because... She was absolutely... Well, I tweeted this out. She is absolutely my character of that game. I actually missed that. Uh, yeah. My apologies. No, um, no, yeah. Why? I think... I mean, it, the, the, the easy, like, crappy answer would be that she's... A powerful woman in a man's world, which she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also a broken woman in a man's world. And uh, I think that the fact that they leaned into that, I think they could have leaned further into that. I think mm-hmm. the epilogue should have starred Sadie. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I expected. Yeah. Um, when I got into the game, I did not expect a John Marston epilogue. I expected a Sadie Outlaw. Well, the reason that. I think they should have had the epilogue focused on Sadie is that she was the yin to Arthur's yang, mm-hmm. right? So she was all about violence and chaos where he yeah. he was all about learning to accept who he, he he is and was and and realize that what he has been doing is futile. Yeah, they're in I'm so glad you said that. Here as the game progresses, Arthur becomes a character who doesn't want to die anymore and yeah. has to and Sadie becomes a character who desperately wants to die and somehow it doesn't seem like she can no matter how many times she tries exactly exactly and it's weird like the, the one is burdened with life while the other is cursed with death and if you neither can have what they want yes and they work together as a pair so beautifully yeah. in that way um so completely platonically which I yes loved. which I loved I loved that they didn't make they didn't try and shoehorn a love story with her. That restraint was beautiful. Yes, yes. But it is, you know, it is, it's a Smurfette syndrome, right? Like, you don't want the one, like, female, strong female character to have a love interest. Like, just... Oh, is that Smurfette syndrome? Well, no, but, like, the Smurfette syndrome is, is like, it's okay if you've got one woman... Is that how it works? I've never heard that phrase before. Yeah. So do you feel like Sadie is, is the only like breakout female character in the game? Um, I mean, uh, was it Tilly? I, I liked Tilly. I liked Tilly a lot. Um, I the- loved... I mean, I, would, I wouldn't say she's the breakout. I loved all the women in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you like Mary? So which one was Mary? Mary's Mary was- the girlfriend. Mary's the old girlfriend. Oh, yeah. I didn't like... Mary so much and I also really didn't like um, Abigail well I think you're not supposed to like Mary right I think that's pretty clear they don't want you to like Mary but what about Abigail that's interesting I think that like 
I do want to just get back to Sadie, but I do. I will just do a quick detour on Abigail. Okay. I think that she just didn't feel authentic. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't b- believe her. I didn't believe in her. I didn't believe that she was a real character. You felt like she was just not a lot going on, or there that wasn't she was a lot going on. Invested in John and Jack. Or? She, her one, you know, for 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 a game where characters contain multitudes, mm-hmm. I feel like she contained one note. Okay. She was just be a good husband. Mm-hmm. That was her whole thing. You felt like there ought to be more there. There was nothing else to her. Okay. And like there was no, I didn't know anything about Abigail. I didn't know why I should care about Abigail because mm-hmm. all she did was nag John. And it's like, why do, why do I care about this annoying woman? And I get that, like, I get her whole vibe. I, I, I get why she wants John to go on the straight and narrow. But like, I get it. I definitely like Abigail better on the final date and after when she loosens up. But yeah. you also understand why she's so ticked, too. I mean, she's got a lot of reasons. I understand why she's ticked, but like, I would have liked to see uh, sides of her that didn't revolve around John. That makes sense. Back to Sadie Adler, bounty hunter. Yes, so Sadie is... I, what I wanted to see in that epilogue was to, like... You'd have to retcon some of the stuff that happened. Sure. Like, yeah, well, let's, let's pretend you're writing the game. That's fine. So, you know, when she goes and, like, cleans out the O'Driscoll leftovers. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, cathartic for her. Mm-hmm. I would have not done that in the in the main game. I would have had that in the epilogue and had her basically just go on a murder spree mm. until she finally reaches Micah and Dutch. And she's the one who pulls the trigger. Because thematically, that would work so much better. That if she were kind of the... the, the she were where the arc... Where the circuit... Yes. Arc. Yeah. Like, and also, again, just that contrast between one man being at, at peace mm-hmm. and sort of letting go of violence and her leaning into violence to, you know, to... Again, it comes back to the name, redemption. Yeah. I, I mean, I think my favorite line in Red Dead 2 is very casually stated by Sadie late in the game when she just says I want to die. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just in the middle of a mission and it's not like dramatic. No. It's like I want to die and it just goes on and you know it's like she's so she's come to terms with mm-hmm. her sickness with her wounding with her I don't know sickness is right with with what's been I think sickness is, a, is the point. right word I, mean, she, I guess when you're covered in blood and like stabbing people yes. apart uh-huh. and, and granted I understand why she wanted to do those things to a point but but uh, I don't think that you're gonna it's very Count of Monte Cristo you're not gonna find a lot of solace in that no and I and I did I, you know, it was interesting seeing the John stuff at the end, but I didn't feel thematically like it worked. I felt like it worked from a storytelling perspective in terms of it leading into the events of the first game, but I didn't feel like it offered me that sort of resolution that I feel I would have got from playing as Sadie. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's that. I mean, again, that I just I loved where they took that character. Um, I I do wonder what went on in the story meetings, and I wasn't there for those. You know, there's a mm. few key writers in this game, um, and I don't dare speculate about that process. Yeah, uh, I do wonder if if Sadie's breakout role in the game kind of grew as the process went on, as the story evolved, and I wonder if we'll get Red Dead Revenge. Yeah, 
I mean, that, that, that's I mean, exactly, that. <laughs> but that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, that's what I wanted from the epilogue. That's I what wanted, makes me wonder if they're saving that for another game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, potentially, she was. She's such a. Yeah, she's such a brilliant. Uh, again, I keep coming back to that word broken. Um, a lot of women in video games aren't allowed to be broken. They mm. are written to be badass. Okay. They are written to be powerful. They are written to be love interests. They are written to be one of those molds. Just for, you know, they're, they're, they're written to be kind of what we expect from a female character at any given point in the sort of cultural zeitgeist, right? So right now we're going through a period of the strong female character, mm-hmm. the badass. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't allow for a lot of shades of gray. I mean, that's one of the things I love about Ellen Ripley. She's a badass and she's completely broken. Exactly. Right? Especially in Aliens. Yes. Yes. And even more so in Alien 3. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Even more so in Resurrection. Um, well, Resurrection's another podcast. <laughs> okay. I secretly love Resurrection. So do I. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Um, so yeah, like, and, and, I, and what I loved about Sadie is that she was a woman who was was badass and 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 I suppose was driven by some by you know love because it was her husband who was um but she was so broken and she was so angry yeah and I loved that because we don't get to see it enough in in games yeah um and I want to see her again like so do I and I think they know that better than we do. Yeah. Be my guess. I mean, looking at looking at the the, the the arc of this character, her and Charles are the only likely oh, links Charles. at this point. Yeah, if I love Charles as well. This direct story. I mean, you just make a new western with new characters. But at this point, if if Sadie doesn't show up, you know, I just maybe maybe Sadie and Bonnie can just like go off on like a, a, a murder spree together I can just I'd for... love I would be so <laughs> I would be so down for like a gender bent like Bonnie and Clyde yeah it's like Sadie and Bonnie just running off together it's <laughs> all jokes aside um no not jokes that would actually be awesome mm. forget that um what about this problem uh or this difficulty in writing and storytelling you and I are well aware that that at this point uh in terms of numbers the video game industry very mm developmentally dominated by men uh-huh. uh, yep. in, in most roles. Um, obviously, uh, uh, there are extraordinary exceptions to that, mm-hmm. uh, powerful exceptions and more every day. And likewise, many of those men are writing t- great stories about characters like Sadie. Yes, um, yes. But then we have situations like the, the criticism that arose around the first uh, Tomb Raider reboot before it launched, when we had questions like, is... Laura is Laura who she is because she's who she is or is she who she is because a bunch of men made her that way by assaulting her Mm -hmm. is there what about this temptation of the rape revenge fantasy what about this you know these questions genuine important I think questions of the way we tell stories in games Mm -hmm. and how does that interact with the idea of presenting damaged characters which are true and which, which give us that sense of authenticity that Sadie does. What are your thoughts on that? Like how to avoid that kind of like basic 
I was damaged by a man and therefore I am the way that I am. Yeah. How do I do that? How do we do that right? How do, how do we tell good stories in within those uh, within the parameters of authenticity and imagination and good, meaningful storytelling? Well, I mean, it's interesting because you brought up Tomb Raider and there was before it came out, there mm-hmm. was some, um, you know, I was it outrage? I don't know what the word to, to... There was some discussion. There was a discussion about about that. But I do actually think that that, that um, Rihanna Pratchett, who was the writer of, uh, on that game, actually handled it very well. Mm-hmm. I think that, that Lara's story and did feel... Her, her, her origin story did feel authentic. It didn't feel um, like it was a bunch of men who had damaged her and therefore, you know... What made the difference? What pulled it, how did you pull that off in the story? What what made you feel that? I way think I think for the most part, just avoiding <sighs> avoiding those common tropes that you just listed is just is where you have to start. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like look at look at Ellie in The Last of Us. You know that she's she's been damaged by the world around her, mm-hmm. not not because someone tried to assault her or or. You know, one of the worst, one of the, you listed it, but one of the worst things that I hate, and and, and David Cage has done this, is write in a, a, a sort of like a rape attempt or like an mm-hmm. assault or something like that that leaves the character damaged and is used. It's like a shorthand. Mm-hmm. It's it's unearned. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Now, at this point, it has become a trope. It's, it's I, become it's a I trope. It's on your grave. Yeah, it's, it's like there is a place for for that kind of storytelling i think the sopranos did uh covered rape in a very brutally authentic way Mm, that's an interesting point um but i think that so often creators are like okay we need to give this female character some trauma so let's throw in a rape and it's just like no 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 no. you don't get to do that that's not how storytelling works it has to be earned you know so I think for the most part... Um, yeah, I, I thought it was really, really well done to Rockstar to treat that entire part of what happened in Sadie's house that night with that focus on the murder ambiguity that took place there. Sadie, yes. Sadie was grieving for someone she loved yep. and a life lost. She had a lot... It was extraordinary. And again, I don't want don't to... I don't quite know the right way to phrase this, except I feel like that they sat down and went we are not going to lean on what's easy here yes and i i I think that's the rockstar did that very well for the most part some of it i some some of their storytelling in red dead i was like i've seen this before oh there are plenty of there are plenty of tropey moments yeah some of those deliberate because of cinematic influence and that mythos lean in and some of them because they wrote a big giant story and Yes. There were places that were just not as polished. That's yes. Absolutely. Yes. True. Yes. Um, but for the most part, I felt that they presented us with characters who w- were familiar because you're right. It is all the Western, you know, the, 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 the great Western that we've all grown up with. Yeah. Um, but they did a good job at subverting my expectations. Yeah. And I did it like, and again, coming back to Sadie, like I did love that there wasn't, they didn't focus on the fact that she was a woman. They didn't focus on things that that might happen to, like, a man's understanding of, the tra- of, of a woman's trauma. They're like, this is a person. This would be traumatic for anyone. Mm-hmm. And let's write that. Yeah. 
that's how I felt about it. Like I feel so often male writers in particular, they focus too heavily on what a woman, like horrific things that a woman might experience. And that's where the whole rape stuff comes from. I'm really, there's a part of me that almost wishes she would have stabbed Pearson to death in camp that day. Um, I mean, I love that we got the great story out of her that we never would have gotten from that. Yeah. They do a good job of kind of being like, there's an edge here. Things are bad. She's yeah. waving knives around. He's waving knives around. This is, these people are outlaws. This could end very badly. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and you'd already had a couple of moments. I'd forgotten ago. about that moment. Yeah, that was that, great. They are fairly close to killing one Yeah, another. they really and you don't were. you not Sadie well at that point. No. I, like, that's why I'd forgotten it, because I was like, oh, yeah, that was Sadie. Yeah, that's yeah. really when you first get to know her, is yeah. and Pearson are getting ready to kill one another. Yes, Damn. yes. And she was still in, wearing a dress at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of builds out from there gradually. But I, I like that as in, you know, I, again, like, I like that idea that potentially she did just evolve from some from something that wasn't necessarily fully fleshed out from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely wanted to have... They had a pretty good idea what Sadie would be. Yeah. But like most stories that evolve as you write them, you discover... And again, I can't speak for them. I think about Stephen King talking about writing uh, Salem's Lot. Yeah. And he makes these characters that he really likes, and he's going to tell the story of how they, how their modern sensibilities fail in the light of ancient horror. But then he's writing the story with these characters, and these characters, as he writes, aren't defeated by evil. Yeah. They fall one by one. But in the end, the ones left standing triumph. Yeah. And he did not expect that when he wrote his book. Yeah. Even though he'd imagined them all beforehand. And I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's something that happens in storytelling. Let's shift gears for a second here. Sure. You're not playing online yet. No, I haven't. And that's, that's not because I don't want to. It's oh. just that with the moving... Yeah. everything's just been a bit hectic so are you going to i do plan to yeah, yeah. that's i like by all accounts it's quite arcadey right like mm-hmm. it's a whole different ballpark i mean there's still a lot of story right and it's very arcadey in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and very there's I, i've used the description before that it's kind of like going to disneyland um you've got this big theme park yeah. with walkways that you can and there's people all around you and you can interact with them street performers and things to do and shops to walk into and, to, and then there are rides you can get on right and the rides are all the events and it's i love that setup for a multiplayer game myself oh that so. sounds like a blast yeah it's kind of like that and also because it's beta lots of things are terribly unbalanced and people will just shoot you in the head you know? right yeah so. yeah I, yeah it's 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 interesting i never got into gta online um i've only ever really focused on rockstar's single player experiences mm-hmm. um which kind of makes me like it's sort of retroactively i'm like i'm kind of like sad because i want i want dlc i want single player dlc but i know that it's 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 going to be a gta all over again you know i i think that we're definitely getting there's a tiny dare to believe part of me i mean obviously undead nightmare i think will be an online thing to drive people to it yeah but when i explored that corner of the map and everything but mexico is already there and it's just kind of big and empty i mean if they were to drop red dead redemption redo and i think they could yeah and sell 30 or you know not 30 yeah, maybe 30 million copies of a lifetime. If you could play Red Dead 1 in that engine. Oh my you? god. 
And there's a lot. There's enough oh money there God. that it might be worth it, especially if they parsed it. Like if they shortened Red Dead One, cut some of the BS like racing missions out, and yeah. you know, made them optional, yes. and kind of made Mexico a little shorter. And there would be there would have to be some some re tinkering. But they don't have incentive to do that. But it's a lot of work. It's extraordinarily expensive. Yeah. But when they stuck that little corner of the map down there. I don't know. Well, now you've put that idea in my head, and now that's what I want. <laughs> Me too. I think it's, it would be a, what if, like, you know, PlayStation 5, Xbox Next, you know, Anaconda. Yeah. And they're like, Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming to next-gen platforms bundled with Red Dead Redemption Remake. Oh, my God. I mean, that would be... That would be heaven. Yeah. It's like, I, I think one of the, the sort of sad things about finishing... Uh, Red Dead is that, that we're going to have to wait so long for another one. You know, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. It was that. eight years. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I, I like long breaks between games. And there were, you know, eight years between Alien and Aliens, too. And that worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, going back to your point about uh, online, it is, it is, it's something I'm going to do. It's just, yeah. I'm just not there yet. I, I just haven't taken the plunge. Uh, I've spent less time there than I wanted to running a show about it and right. I'm about to kind of dive back in this this uh, December crunch to make content has definitely cut into my time so I'm going to hop back in over the break and do a lot more because okay. I like it well maybe we uh, can maybe you can show me the ropes uh, let me show you the ropes and then I just pull you behind my horse and drag you can do that it's great ladies and gentlemen you've supported us for an entire year of this practically well not year but I mean we've been around since well before you three Somehow we have managed to make now 37, 38 episodes, something like that, about this wonderful, beautiful game in the Western tradition, and you've been along for the ride. And uh, we're going to see you next year. We're going to take a little break here for the holiday, but um, look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for everything. Lucy, thank you for coming. Thank you, Jared. Uh, any uh, Anything you want to highlight of your own work before you go? Uh, no, but if anyone wants to tweet at me at Luce O'Brien um, with some Red Dead Online tips, uh, I would be very grateful. All right. Happy trails, friends.